Hey, Three Song Story listeners, if you haven't heard, we're taking this show on the road in two weeks. That's March 18th at Nice Guys Pizza in Cape Coral. If you are anywhere in the Southwest Florida area and you want to come by, we've got some spots left. The room will fill up quickly. We're going to do Mark Davis, the host of the Nice Guys Trivia Night, as our guest. It's going to be a great time. That's, again, March 18th. The doors open at 6.30, but the show starts at 7. RSVP with an email to mysongstory at wgcu.org. Let us know you're coming. We'd love to see you there. One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the show where we use the musical history of our guests to turn them into their own best storytellers. I'm Richard Chinqui. My guest this episode is Mike Canary. The name should sound familiar because he's the co-creator and usual host of this show. We decided to swap seats, so I'm in the host chair and Mike's in the hot seat. Mike Canary is as Southwest Florida native as it gets, and here in Fort Myers, he has worked in golf shops, tended bar, worked PR for the Alliance for the Arts, and of course... He's been a radio reporter and host. In fact, when I first began working at WGCU over a decade ago, it was Mike who showed me the ropes. Now that he's back at the station, it's starting to feel like old times around here in the best way. Hey, Mike. Hey there, Richard. How you doing? I'm doing great. My, how the tables have turned. Yes. um, And just, you know, we're going to break the fourth wall here briefly. Yeah. There is no try to host three song stories, Richard. This is not a dry run. This is it. Okay. You are hosting the Mike Mike Canary episode. Okay. Full disclosure, this is my first time hosting a radio type show. Okay. Well, now we can get back to the show. Oh, back to the show. Okay. Uh, Now that you're on that side of the table, how hard was it for you to pick three songs? It was was really hard. Um, You know, when we started um, talking about this as we walked around – um, I didn't feel like I had to think too hard about it because I was going to be using it on other people. Yeah. Um, but then when we decided to do this, <clears throat> and like I said just before, you know, at first, you know, this was going to be sort of a test run for you, the host. Um, but I thought, no, I, you know, we can't. Nobody gets to do this twice, so this has to be my three songs. So I started digging deep about two weeks ago. And I didn't wind up where I thought I was going to wind up. I wound up in some interesting places, and I went down memory roads that I hadn't been down, and I discovered, I think, some things about myself. So hard, very hard. What's um, what's one of the songs that you thought way back that was definitely one that just didn't even come close, like wasn't even – Well, you know, the the police were really important to me when mm-hmm. I was in high school. Mm-hmm. They were the first like uh, sort of you know band that, that grabbed me. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I, you know, I'll probably end up with the police. Um, uh, Moxie Fruvis is a band that's very important to me. So I, I thought I knew which song I was going to pick, but that ended up changing. Um, that is a little tip into the future. <laughs> um, you know, that's called foreshadowing. Mike. Yeah, and you know, and and songs from um, more recently in my life that are tied to stories and emotional things that I thought might make it, but they didn't. I ended up picking three songs that I think uh, sort of knit together. Why I am here now. Okay. Do you feel a, a little bit of sympathy for our guests? 
oh, now I, having – Oh, absolutely. I have sympathy. <laughs> I have notes here that I took last night because there were things popping into my head as I was finalizing my third song and – you know, and I've had a couple guests come in with notes, and I've thought that's not fair. But you know, it's from, not it's not cheating. From here, that looks like a beautiful mind, like almost just yeah. No, it's it's kind of crazy, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I do want to ask you about which song almost made it, like your fourth song. But first, uh, how would you describe your taste in music if you had to? Like, what genres do you gravitate towards? You know. Um, eclectic. Um, I, I, I think I try to find things that are off the beaten path. Um, overall, you know, I mentioned the police. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some sort of, you know, I guess they're kind of like rock slash reggae. It's slash, the police. Yeah, it's the police. <laughs> um, you know, in, in more recent years, I've really gravitated to the more of the singer-songwriter stuff, like the mm-hmm. Avid Brothers and um, – um, you know, I'm a big fan of Moxie Fruvis and the Bare Naked Ladies, so that's sort of weird, harmonic, crazy, wacky stuff. Um, not into pop music, um, not into hardcore music, not into hip hop at all. Do any of those – are any of those like when you hear them on, you you will stop and enjoy them, you just don't listen to them or is it is it just doesn't – does not resonate? Well, no. I mean I, I think if I'm in a situation where they're on, I'll, I'll listen to them and I'll, I'll appreciate them. But I would pretty much – you know, I, I, I'm a I, – I have a very steady diet of public radio <laughs> and, and that's not hyperbole. I yeah. really do. And so if I'm listening to music, either you know, I'm out on a bike ride, mm-hmm. um, I may be on a road trip with my daughter. Um, or I'm at somebody's house or I'm at a party or I'm someplace like that. So um, I don't spend much time listening to music you know, while I'm going about my day-to-day. It's true that public radio is what's the background of my existence. Okay. The kinds of music you're talking about are the kinds of things – a lot of it is something that you can play, that a person can pick up an instrument and play. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you play any instruments? I do. Um, I um, I am a daily player of the ukulele. Yeah. I uh, know that's kind also of, quirky. Yeah, it's quirky. Kind of hip to be square. Um, I, I I I picked up ukulele almost ten years ago now. Um, I played in a non traditional way. I drop tune it so it's 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 a richer sound. It's like <laughs> it's like three half steps down from a normal ukulele, which is weird. You yeah. know, that's my that's how I roll. Sure. Um, I started off on guitar, but you know it never really suited me. And then um, I picked up a little half size guitar, mm-hmm. and I loved it. And then that broke. Just incrementally moving yeah. towards a ukulele. And then I was I wound up at a ukulele festival in Milwaukee. Of course I did. Did you travel for that festival? Like did you? I go? was I was in Kansas City, um, staying with my dad yeah. and this guy that I knew named Dave 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 Cowan. Hey, I know that name. Was uh, was on his way up to Milwaukee for a ukulele festival. Mm-hmm. He had wound up at it the year before. And he was like, you should come up. So I drove up from Kansas City and we stayed with some friends of his there because he's – that's where his roots are is up in Wisconsin. And um, and I bought a really nice ukulele with a case there and that's mm-hmm. when I started playing it and I haven't touched my guitar since. I should probably get rid of it. It's set empty. It's set <laughs> untouched for a decade now. Okay. Now these kinds of like singer-songwriters, uh, acoustic, is this the kind of music that you grew up hearing? Was this the music in your house – no, no. I did not grow up in a very musically inclined house. Um, my parents divorced when I was little. Mm-hmm. Um, what I can remember hearing at my dad's house would be like um, Kenny Rogers, um, you know, kind of country, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Willie Nelson. Big country at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, in my mom's house, it was the great triumvirate of uh, – 
Barbra Streisand, Barry Manilow, and Neil Diamond. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and pretty much nothing else. Like she had those on 8-track and that would – if we were listening to anything, it was pretty much going to be one of those three. Are any of those perpetually bouncing around your head now They're not bouncing it? around my head, but I guarantee you if you pulled any of their main songs mm-hmm. and played it right now, I could sing along because okay. they are fused into my memory. Um, also, when I was a kid, we had um, uh, eight tracks of the Grease soundtrack. Yeah. And uh, I think there was one other, but the Grease soundtrack was uh, me and my brother and sister played that a lot when we were kids. Do you, you know the words to Grease Lightning? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and, and that's probably, um, you know, we ask this, you know, what's the first song that moved you or the first music that yeah. moved you? That was the first one. The, the Grease, something about that whole vibe. Sure. You know, me and my brother and sister sitting around singing that. That was that was the first music that, other, that captured me. Other than that, are, were you guys big on musicals or is that just a special thing? No, that was just a special thing. It was just a, a and, and we had, the, I showed you the other day, the, the old 2XL robot. That's how we would yeah. play our Grease yeah. soundtrack. So we didn't even have like a nice sound system at home. Did Was was the, the movie, the Travolta movie, was that a big family event for you? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. Uh, now you mentioned, you mentioned your older brother. Um, did his music become your music? Like, like that happens sometimes where older siblings have an impact that way. His music did not become my music, but his music, which I uh, made fun of, at least in my head at the time. What was it? What, what? It was Queen. Oh, yeah. Oh, Queen, man. <laughs> and, I mean, he was, he is yeah. the Queen fan. Yeah. Uh, he, like, had to take time off from college Super when fan. Freddie Mercury died. Ooh. But he had a computer in his room. Uh, Commodore mm-hmm. 64. Mm-hmm. And so he had games that we could play. Yeah. And so I wanted to be in there. But in order to be in there, I had to be <sighs> listening to Queen. And at the time, I was like sarcastic about it. And then sure. I got a little older and I was like, man, nice job, Joe. I know all of Queen because of you. And I appreciate it. Yeah, he's looking obviously. out for you. Oh, he was. He was. <laughs> okay. But, no, but that was I, – I can't even think of any other music that was his music until old, later in life. He introduced me to like Jellyfish. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know Jellyfish. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, yeah, what is so, that? What's that sound like? Um, it's it's kind of down the Moxie Fruvis road in a sure. way. It's poppy. It's it's very it's like it's like very poppy, but very smart poppy. Okay. Um, he went to the Queen concerts. Did you ever tag along? You ever uh, see them live? I don't think he ever went to a Queen concert. Oh, really? I'm not sure. Like I said, I mean, Freddie Mercury died when he was a freshman in college, yeah. and so by then, I don't think he really ever had the chance. Ah, oh, yeah. what a shame. Um, all right. So you mentioned the Grease Lightning being the first song that moved you. Right. Um, what is the first song or music, I guess? What's the first music that you had that was yours, that was just for you? Either you bought it or it was given to you. I was gifted. I, I thought about this. I knew you were going to ask yeah. it because I wrote that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I was gifted. It would have been 1985, Christmas of 1985. And I don't know. So I would have been 13. So I'm not sure. It probably wasn't still Santa Claus at that point, but it may have been. It was the 80s. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think it was my brother or sister that gave it to me. Um, I was gifted three tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, um Twisted Sister, uh-huh. uh, which was their uh, Stay Hungry. Yeah. That was the one with We're Not Going to Take We're it, not gonna everything take it, yeah. on it. Um, uh, Madonna's Like a Virgin. Okay. 
and uh, synchronicity by the police. So the other two just went on a shelf somewhere. Pretty much. And then, pretty much. And then I listened to them some, but I think I'd, I'd asked for those. I mean, those were on my list of sure. things that I wanted. And the first two were for reasons that were very superficial in retrospect. Uh, you, um, I don't peg you as a we're not going to take it. No, I, I think I'd gone fan. to like one of my cool friends' birthday parties in seventh grade or whatever. And they, that's, that's all everybody wanted to listen sure. to. So I put it on my Christmas list. But, you know, those two, you know, they, they hold their place in, in musical history. But the police is who I then glommed onto, and, you know, they became sort of the defining band of my later high school years. Okay. Well, um, I think we should get to your first song. So what did you bring us? Well, my first song um, is a song that until – we're going to listen to it here in a minute. And it will be the first time I've listened to it since then because it, it's not a song that has entered my diet of musical um, consumption. And, and when is then? Um, then would be that same time period or so. It would be like 1987, mm-hmm. I think it would be. It would be the summer of 1987. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, a song. Okay, so <clears throat> I was uh, active in my youth group at mm-hmm. Wesley Memorial United Methodist over in Fort Myers. And, uh, and we would go away on summer trips. The youth group would you know, take a trip up north yep. to go somewhere. And so we all piled into a van and um, uh, me and my buddies who we bonded, they're still my best friends to this very day. And the, the, our youth leaders, uh, they were in charge of the music. And what they wanted to listen to was songs from the 50s. Yeah. So they had like the Time Life collection from 1954 to 1957. And that's all we listen to. Affectionately referred to as oldies. Oh, yeah. T- absolutely. Um, and, you know, and, you know, it was fun and we listened to it. But something about it grabbed me. And when we got back from that trip, I actually went over to their house and brought a bunch of tapes and they let me dub that entire collection. So I had all the tapes. And – Strangely enough, me as a, you know, driving around in my 1977 Ford LTD <laughs> uh, as, a, as a sophomore in, co- in high school, yeah. I listened to nonstop hits from the 50s. Cool. And, and you know. Was it cool then? Because nowadays that would be pretty, that would be pretty cool. But... It was weird. <laughs> and the reason I pick it is because that trip and that time with those people and like i said you know they're still my best friends to this day even though only a couple of them live close enough that i can see them on a regular basis um really sort of sort of formed the foundation of who i am but in retrospect mm-hmm. my willingness to drive around in my ford ltd with the windows down jamming songs like the one i picked which yeah. is rollover beethoven yeah um by chuck berry um is just weird. And it's also, though, I think, indicative of my first um, being willing to be who I want to be. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Well, this is Rollover Beethoven by Chuck Berry. You're listening to Three Song Stories. Wow. So, fir- so first of all, um, I remember every word 
<laughs> I could see you mouthing them. Every word. Were... Like uh, that's – I mean and I literally – I mean I'm sure I've heard it in a, you know, a butter commercial or something <laughs> in, the, in the intervening yeah. years. Yeah. But uh, yeah, every word. And the only reason I picked that one is just that was the first one that popped into my head. There's, you know, there's a dozen others that are from that same time frame yeah. and those same tapes that I could have picked. Um, and I would have remembered every word to those two. And yeah, you know, I just I uh, I just have to tell a quick story. You sure. Know, I, I mentioned I drove a, a Ford LTD, mm-hmm. nineteen seventy seven. It was rust colored, not because it was, was rust, it rust colored. Rust? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a three hundred dollar car, um, sure. and uh, you know it was twenty three feet long, and 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 the the back doors would rattle at a certain yeah. speed because <laughs> you would reach this frequency. Yeah. And they'd go. And and I can remember I played high school basketball at Fort Myers High, and this is what popped into my head during this: um, is um, uh, we had a game, an away game. The bus broke down, so we all had to pile into cars. So uh, Coach Jump and Joe Pisano got to ride with me, and <laughs> and, and my my friend Milty. Um, was it was in the car with me, and so we we're heading to North Fort Myers, and we we're coming over the bridge, and Milty knew what was coming, but Jumpin' Joe didn't, and the back door started going. Doo, 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 doo. Oh, those were good times. We were listening to something off of this because yeah, that's what yeah. I was listening to at that time frame. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, being the weirdo who would play that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, you know, it wasn't until you know I, that was a year and a half or so of that, pretty much on on repeat, and then sure. I moved into the police after that. So, um, you know, the the music that you were listening to at that time, right? It's the mid to late eighties, so pop is is everywhere on on every track, and if it's not, it's it's rock and arena rock. Um, this kind of at that time quirky. You know, music. You know, weird for for a high schooler to be listening to. In its time, would have been pop. Right, like, would have been the most popular. Absolutely, music. yeah, correct. Um, so, uh, do do you ever think about that? Some of the very popular music today that for you feels um, just not very interesting may become the thing that a that a quirky, weird kid might yeah. listen to in, yeah. you know, in another 10 or 15 years. I hadn't really ever thought about it, but yeah, I mean, I could absolutely see that, you know? I mean, like... Uh, the 50s the, to the 80s is 30 years, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, it when when your daughter yeah. maybe has like a middle school age child, they might be listening to Beyonce. Yeah. To be weird. Right, exactly. <laughs> to be different. Yeah, or you know, Twenty One Pilots, or you know, <laughs> or yeah, yeah, no, that that's absolutely true. I'm sure that is the way music works because, you know, it's funny. I hadn't really done the math, but yeah, you know, the '50s to the '80s, that was about 30 years. So like right now, it's what you know, 30 years to mm-hmm. the '80s. So you know, it would be like if Gwen was driving around right now yeah. listening to '80s pop music. To be well, that's but it's very popular now. Though, I know to, it, to is. To, it is. It is. Yeah. It is. But I'm not sure it would. I don't know if it would seem as weird. Yeah, maybe as, not. Is listening to Chuck Berry at Fort Myers High School in 1988 might have. It's possible. I suppose the the internet and the access to older music immediately yeah. has made people more willing to just listen to whatever feels great. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. So if you could pick, if you could pick a. a a band or a singer who's very popular now, so it has to be one that that people know. This is going to be a hard question know, for me. <laughs> I know that that you could kind of make popular, or, or you know, or make quirky in the future. Um, Lady Gaga. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how you'll know later that that somebody is putting down a flag. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, which which song? Uh, 
was your fourth song that you had to axe? You know, there were several that were fourth, but I think the was one the that last was probably one? closest was an Avid Brothers song uh-huh. uh, uh, called Laundry Room. Okay. And uh, what is what is the short version of the story that goes with it? Um, uh, I, I don't know if there's really a story. It's a, it's a song about um, – Regretting loss. Okay. And did it did it get axed so that you could potentially avoid that right there? Um. Yes. But also with the three songs that I came up with, like I said, they suddenly gelled into a, a, a cohesive. Arc. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. But yeah. No. Yeah. That little thing you felt there is why it got axed. Okay. So you mentioned getting to go over to your youth leader's house and dubbing all of the songs that you heard from from the creation of this show and that little tidbit there. I get the feeling that you're pretty handy with a mixtape, uh, dubbing, making them. I am, although you know, in retrospect, as yeah. I dug through my memories for yeah. for this show, uh-huh. I, I really only made a few mixtapes. Uh-huh. Um, they would have either been for myself or for uh, who turned out to be my first like real girlfriend that mm-hmm. I moved into, uh, uh, you know, lived with and uh, cohabitated and had a life with for a few years. Um, but other than that, I made mixed CDs later in life and sure. maybe distributed a few of those to people. But, um, you know, no, I, I wasn't a huge mixtape person. Like I said, I really – it wasn't until later in life that music became important to me. You know, it wasn't – it was not really important to me as a kid. As strange as that sounds. Well, I mean, I get I get that same feeling, you know. Um, it's it's like been a second act yeah. thing for... Oh, yeah. Um, and even now, I mean, I, like I, I don't really listen to the radio. I don't listen to... I don't really... I mean, I use... I have a Pandora account simply so I can play it from the booth at the Fort Myers Film Festival mm-hmm. and when I'm doing some sort of crowd event. But I don't sit around and try to find new music and consume music. When you do find a new song... How does it enter your playlist? Like, do you when you hear something that you like, does it immediately? You know, do you write it down immediately? Add it, or is it just like this is nice and then you move on? No, I mean it captures me. Um, Avid Brothers captured me. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't. I heard their "I in Love and You" song. Somebody posted it on Facebook eight years ago, or whenever it came out. I was like, "Who are these guys?" And boom, down the rabbit hole. You know what I mean? And then suddenly, I'm just consuming everything they've got. Um, until I kind of move on and then return to it periodically. Um, uh, the Weaker Thans. Are you familiar with yeah, The Weaker Thans? Yeah. Same kind of thing. Had never even heard of them. Somehow missed them. Heard a single song. Was like, who are these guys? Went down the rabbit hole. Um, AWOL Nation. AWOL Nation. You, you gave me – you sent me a track yeah. that's um, – is it – Nights is it, of Shame. Is it 40 minutes or something? No, no, no. It's not 40. <laughs> it may have felt like 40. It's like 14 it's or 14 something minutes. like that. And it's, it, it's in the fish range. It does, it does like – there's there's eight or nine genres yep. in 14 minutes of music. If you if you skip around that track, you will think you're listening to different bands playing yep. on the same stage at different and, times. And, and that one came to me when I was working at the Alliance. I had an intern named Adam who was a freshman here at FGCU, mm-hmm. and he was huge into music. I'm sure he still is. 
And he's like, you got to listen to these guys. You got to listen to these guys. So uh, he gave me a copy of their CD and I started listening to them. And I was like, wow. And so they are totally outside of my they're, – they're so far from singer-songwriter. It's not even funny. Mm-hmm. They're on their third album now. And by they, I mostly mean him. It's a guy named yeah. Aaron Bruno. He's had several different variations on the band since they launched. Um, but there's just something about them that I just think they're awesome. And I actually drove up to Tampa with Adam and saw them open for Imagine Dragons yep. at a little club. This is before they Imagine Dragons became – Stadium Rock. Okay. And, um, two and bands, by the way, who are known for like two, one or two songs that yeah, sound Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah, AWOL Nation is the sale people. You know, <laughs> sale, sale, ADD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, which yeah. is like, I, you know, that I, that's not even a song that I necessarily like of theirs. Well, and, and the whole should, rest of the album doesn't sound... No, yeah, like all that. three albums too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they opened for the uh, for, a, uh, for drag, uh, Imagine Dragons yeah. and um, they killed it. And then Imagine Dragons got up there and it sounded to me like they were playing, uh, like they were lip syncing to a track. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't seem like they were rocking. And AWOL Nation was rocking. Okay. Um, do, you, do you still do a lot of concerts? Is that... Like, was that a big was that a big thing for you to go up and go to a live show? Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- these days in life, yes. Um, the, I think the last time I went to a concert was the Jason Isbell show that mm-hmm. I went to with Gwen. Um, you know, yeah, I, I I got to see music live at the Alliance because we host a concert series. We I'm still we High Alliance because <laughs> um, they host a, a concert series, so I get to see live music there. Um, you know, I used to back in my uh, younger days, in you know, in my twenties and mid thirties, we used to travel a lot for shows and stuff. Go, you know, Bonnaroo and uh, go up to uh, Spirit of the Swanee up in uh, Live Oak. You know, to the uh, Magfest and Springs Fest up there. That used to be like a, a an annual event. Basically. I remember when you went to Bonnaroo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the, when after we knew each other, the first time you went, and uh, and I was I had never. I was yeah. Like, oh, Mike's going to Bonnaroo. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was the uh, that was the summer of 2008 when gas prices reached their peak of four dollars and fifty cents a gallon. Uh, we had rented an RV to take that trip to Tennessee, and we had rented that so far in advance that the gas prices weren't four fifty. And we did the math as we drove to Tennessee, and we were spending sixty cents a mile. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. You yeah. could have flown, maybe. Yeah. Well, well luckily, we yeah. just got those George Bush tax refund checks, which went directly to, to the to Bonner, gas company. Well, directly <laughs> oh, right. to the gas companies, yeah. straight straight from one pocket to the other. Okay. Um, all right. So let's. I think I want to hear your second song. Okay. So uh, what do you have for us? My second song is a Moxie Fruvis song. Moxie Fruvis mm-hmm. is a Canadian band. They're from Toronto. They started in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. I found them in 1992 while working uh, at a music store up in Gainesville. Got a hold of a promo copy of their CD, Bargainville. And they knocked the police. By then it was Sting. You know, I was listening to like, yeah. Fields of Gold and that sort of era. And Bargainville just completely blew that out of the water. Yeah. And so I started listening to that. And that's pretty much what I listened to through the 90s or through the early to mid 90s. And, you know... Some would say you were stuck in the 90s. Yeah, that, that's a good pun, Richard. Ah. That's top notch. Um, that's a Moxie Fruvis joke. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, you know, I could have picked, you know, any of their songs. Mm-hmm. Um, because the story is really not the song. The story is just, it's a continuation. I, this is what I realized, is it's a continuation of the 50s music. Sure. You know, here I am listening to Suddenly Again, something that's completely out of the box. I yeah. play it for my friends. They're all listening to Pearl Jam and Nirvana. Uh-huh. And I'm like, come listen to these guys harmonize and be, you know, politically savvy. Yeah. And a, a, a lot of it a cappella. Yeah, like, yeah. And so um, I could have picked any of their songs, but the reason I picked this one, it's BJ Don't Cry, which is the third track on their album. 
And the reason I pick it is because, you know, I I would uh, submit Guinevere when she was a little girl to uh, to this music, and you know, at first, you know, she was just music to her, and then she would start to ask for play the Romeo song, Dad, play the Romeo song when she was little, you yeah. know. And so this is it's not the Romeo song, but when you hear it, you're going to understand why she would say that. Sure. But now, like later in life, she's now a she's in Thespians. She's a singer. She's mm-hmm. in the City of Palms Youth Choir. She's you know she's she's got chops. And so now, like we drive around and we put on Moxie Fruvis and we sing at the top of our lungs. And this song in particular, we've got it worked out where we're she, we're hitting harmonies. Yeah. We have parts, and it's just I mean it's the. It, it's peak, you yeah, know what I mean. It's yeah. peak, peak dad experience as yeah. far as sharing art with your kid. Right, right now for us, it's um, we we sing, we sing a lot of Moana songs. Oh, in, yeah. in male and female parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I want you just. Uh, I feel a little vindication in my first time as the host. I want you to read the circled <laughs> question that I have here. out loud. I happen to know you have the entire catalog available in your head, hours and hours of their music. What memory led you to pick that particular song among all <laughs> others? The answer is Gwen. Yeah, well, the answer is Gwen. It absolutely is. And, um, you know, and I don't know, this band is just, uh, they are my Beatles. They are, yeah, that's a good way to put it. All right, so let's hear BJ Don't Cry yep. by Moxie Fruvis, off of which album, Mike? Bargainville, 1992. Bargain. This is track three. Moxie Fruvis. Moxie Fruvis. Um, okay, so I picked that song <laughs> yeah. because uh, that's what Gwen and I sing to today. That was the first one that caught her attention. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to swing back and I'm going to I'm going to create a bit of an arc here with a yeah. name of a man named Bill Bowen. Uh, Bill Bowen's a guy that I worked with at Ives Bookshop in the Edison Mall. Uh, he grew up here in North Fort Myers. Uh, he'd never left the state of Florida. Um, I introduced him to Moxie Fruvis, and within a year, he'd moved to Manhattan. <laughs> It does that to people. Um, well, it did it to Bill. And, um, you know, his brother, his, his brother is an actor. I think yeah. his brother was already a you know, semi-successful actor, at least off-Broadway. So he had a, a reason to go to New York. Mm-hmm. But the reason he went to New York was because he wanted to be able to see Moxie Fruvis. Yeah. He wanted to be able to meet Moxie Fruvis. He wound up working for Fruvis.com when their first version of the website. Like, not working for them. He didn't get paid, but, you know. <laughs> He, he, he was uh, their biggest fan yeah. and he was their biggest advocate. He went and, on a Moxie <clears throat> Fruvis pilgrimage. He went on a Moxie Fruvis pilgrimage. He still lives there to this day. He doesn't do social media, so I don't really stay in touch with him, but I, I need to reach out to him. I'm sure I can Maybe he'll hear down. this podcast. Maybe he'll hear this podcast. If you're listening, if you're listening, out. Bill Bowen, he, he, he's the one person who tried to give me a nickname that never stuck. He called me Tippy. Tippy. I'm going to call you Tippy. Yeah, start calling me Tippy. <laughs> Um, actually, I got um, Carl Hyacin. He got me. Yeah. He got Carl Hyacin to sign a book for me to Tiffy, <laughs> <laughs> which is just weird. You may have to I don't start know. Well, that's off with funny that. things that pop into your head. But yeah. the reason I bring him up is because um, so here it is. It's like it's like the mid nineties, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, somewhere in there. And I was working at a golf shop in town, um, making good money. You know, had a had a very conventional life. Uh, had a sports bar life. You know, would go to Hooters after work, play golf for free because I worked at a golf mm-hmm. shop. You know, drank a lot of Miller Lite. 
and uh, had an inkling inside of me it's that a maybe, Southwest Florida life. Yeah, man. but you know what? That, that, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't for me. You know, I, I was like, I'm running out of time here. You know, like I'm not turning out to the. I'm not. My 14 year old yeah. self would not be you were happy. Not impressing right. teenage Mike Canary. Exactly. So I thought maybe I'll move to New York. So I moved uh, – didn't move. I took two weeks off and I, I flew up and I stayed with Bill mm-hmm. in you know, the Lower East Side in Manhattan right off Prince Street in this little tiny apartment that had been converted you know, for four people to live there. And it was my first chance of you know, smelling the city and being there mm-hmm. and um, – um, you know, I, I it was the first time I, I took a hallucinogenic of some kind mm-hmm. um, and I went out walking at night alone and I turned a corner and there was this like 20 foot tall horse. I thought, this is what happens. <laughs> this is what a hallucination feels <laughs> this is like. How it goes. Well, it turns out it was actually a statue that was being oh, – okay. it was chained to the wall because it was destined to be inside a art gallery. I, I thought guess. it was going to be a police horse exaggerated. But it was a mind-opening experience on a number of levels. Let's just put it that way. And after two weeks, um, I came to the conclusion that I didn't want to live in New York City because um, I, I knew it was going to change me and I didn't think I wanted to be changed in that way. So to me, New York City will always be a place that I love to visit. I've mm-hmm. been back many times, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to become a New Yorker. I saw even after that just one year or so, the, the New Yorker coming out in Bill and it, it changed him in a way. Not bad. Some people want to be that New Yorker. Sure. But I don't want to be the New Yorker. I want to be the Southwest Florida guy that does things my way. And so I came back from that trip and I – while not moving to New York. Sorry. This sounds, this sounds like uh, the Fort Myers version of Rumspringa. What's Rumspringa? Oh, Rumspringa is um, right, right as you become an adult in Amish society, huh. you get the opportunity to go away for I think two weeks. I, I could be wrong there. I think it's about two weeks. And they go. They go into the city. And they like they live like in an apartment, and they get to see like all of modernity. I knew enough to not sit in the urinal. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but it's like it's like an opportunity to kind of like cement, you know, look at how. Yeah, so we're not we're not cloistering you, but then they always come back and go, "Oh no, this is like yeah, you're right. We we want to be on the farm." (laughs) Well, well, that sort of is what it was. Um, And then I came back and I thought, okay, I need to make a break. I need to make a break. Mm-hmm. And so I made plans to take a big, long road trip out to California. Uh, my brother lived in Pasadena at the time, so I kind of like – I knew I would wind up there. Um, I picked uh, some friends along the way, so I had places to visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got rid of basically everything that I owned practically that I couldn't fit into my little Bronco too, and I hit the road. And I took this big road trip by myself, pre-cell phone. Did you, did you plan it to be a road trip, like a return trip, or did you just kind of say – Oh, no. I'm I was gonna, coming back. Okay. I was coming back. I still had an apartment that I that I um, that I needed to come back to and, okay. and deal with. Sure. Um, but no, I, I spent nearly three months uh, wandering to Pasadena and then up to Northern California, then across, um, you know, through you know Kansas City, and then I um, reconnected uh, with my father. You know, we my parents had divorced when I was little, and while we had stayed sort of in touch, we hadn't really been connected. So I spent like two or three weeks living in his trailer in his mm-hmm. front yard and we reconnected and then I came back to, to Florida. How was, how was that in the middle of all of this kind of – It was magical. Ac- actualization and it was It was really magical. It was um, – What did he think about your – Kind of. Oh, he loved it. Yeah, spur of the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was all. It was. It was. He thought it was great. My mom was really worried. You know, <laughs> she 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 supported it, 
but you know, she thought I was pretty. She thought I was pretty weird. Yeah. Um, you know, I was I was living at campgrounds. You know, mm-hmm. I had a big guidebook, and I would pick campgrounds. So I was totally off the radar. Right. You know, it was. And I, you know, and I had a little laptop. I bought a little three eighty six laptop. Well, for all of our podcast listening audience, this is way before you would have had any opportunity. To oh yeah. Have, I mean, there's no smartphones. There's no barely no. any internet. I, well, yeah, I would occasionally stop at a hotel yeah. and get a hotel for the night, and I could plug my laptop in mm-hmm. and dial into my AOL account yeah. because that allowed me to connect from anywhere in the country. And I had a, a, a list of people who I would email to. Mm. So there was maybe 20 people in an email list. And I still have that thread oh, wow. saved. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I haven't looked at it, but it's there. Sure. Um, and so I wound up back in Fort Myers. and Three months? About three months. Yeah. Uh, wound up back in Fort Myers and got a job as a bar back mm. at Liquid Cafe. Liquid Cafe. And, you know. That's pivoting to part three. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go to song three, but I gotta I gotta talk about Moxie Fruvis a little more. Okay. When we're talking about music and Mike Canary, it's gonna be some Moxie Fruvis talk. So um, first, real quick, if you are going to you you kind of have proselytized this band. Yes. Over t- we talked about Bill. Oh yes. Uh, your daughter, myself. Like I'm. I just heard it from you. If you if you know Moxie Fruvis and yeah. you live in Florida, <laughs> there is probably no more than three leaps back. to I me. think that's being generous. Seriously. Yeah. Like seriously, I think um, that's probably true. So uh, if you if someone's listening right now and they're like, oh, what's a what's a Fruvis? You know, um, what song? If they were going to Google one song, do you think people should listen to? And it'll kind of like. Tell them if they if they care to listen to more of this. Well, you know, I think that um, 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 the drinking song is uh, is sort of their anthem. Yeah, my of, personal favorite. By yeah, the way. off of off of Bargainville, um, that's where I would start. And you know, and they've got I think five studio albums and a live album. And you know, even I don't love every song on every album, um, but I would say start with the drinking song, and then back up and just start at the first song on Bargainville, okay. and then work your way forward. Um, so uh, when you when I started working here and we met and you were like, hey, you should listen to this song, this band, um, it, it kind of infected me mentally, like a music infection. And I just um, – I listened to a, like a lot. You gave me like albums of the, just I think the whole – the entire Discography, catalog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so when I was first working here that first year or so, it was it was basically a perpetual loop of, of songs from them. Uh, do you think – so that affected me working here at a radio station. I was around other people who listened to different music and who listened for a living. Do you, did, do you think when you started working here it, that it affected your, your music or, or listening habits? Like were you a big public radio listener before you were Oh, here? yeah. I was a big public radio listener all the way back to the early 90s. And so do you, do you, did your musical tastes get impacted at all by being here or around any of the people here or was it was were you already kind of locked in? Pretty much locked in. Okay. Um okay, is there is there another band or artists that you try to hook people on that you you know it's kind of a thing that you know is great and you just want people to <laughs> to know about them so you try to to make people hear them what's the next band you're going to try to get your daughter to listen to um uh, you know probably the weaker thans yeah you know that they that's a band that they're also canadian um i think they're from somewhere else in canada besides toronto but they're a hidden gem and so anybody out there they're not necessarily i think for everyone um but there's something about the lyricism and the way the lyrics go to the music in a very non-conventional way mm. um i think it's just it's it's poetry set to music mm-hmm. and it's so emotive as far as like imagery in your head even though the songs don't necessarily make 
sense. They emote things. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, I would I would probably, that would be the one. Probably why I, I you're a big Jonathan Coulton fan yes. as well. Yes. And I, that's probably why as well as yeah. silly songs, but serious feelings. The, the neatest thing for me about Weaker Thans is that if you look at what, like, if you look at the lyrics on paper, they are... They, they, they don't have – there's no song structure to mm, them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just sentence after sentence after sentence after sentence and then you listen to it to the music and you're like, how does that work? But it works. Yeah, that's a good descriptor for Dan Byrne as well who and, you also – And speaking of Dan Byrne, yeah. that would be definitely one who I've also proselytized. I mean Dan yeah. Byrne is a great American poet. Yeah. Um, he doesn't – he's not on a record label because he can't be. He's on, not on a record label because he doesn't want to be. Yeah. He does his own thing. And uh, yeah, listen to Dan Byrne. Listen to uh, – <laughs> Uh, Jerusalem. Listening. Listen to God said no. Listen to what's the child the child the children's song. Uh, yeah. I, I mean. I'll, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Listen, people. Listen to Dan Byrne. You, you know, we've been talking a little bit here and there about Gwen. Um, so you you have a, a teenage daughter. I have now. a daughter. Just turned thirteen. Yes. Yeah. She's officially a teenager. Still holds my hand going into public. <laughs> As as such, uh, I'm sure that she is much cooler than than either of us. Um, Absolutely. Does she listen? To other than Fruvis, like does she does she when she's listening on her own? Does she listen to your music? No, she listens to Twenty One Pilots, uh-huh. Panic at the Disco, yeah, Hamilton. I, she's a big show tunes fan and, in general and, 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 and musical theater in yeah. general. That is her that is her uh, uh, vibe. Okay, so what has she hooked you on anything? Has she like has she even have she shared music and tried to get you to listen to her stuff? No, not really. Okay, no, she hasn't tried. Okay. I mean, I like I like you know I like listening to Hamilton and stuff with her, mm-hmm. which is funny because I was always sort of not a musical theater guy, but you know now I've got a musical theater daughter, so then you know that's what yeah. happens when you're a dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, you you go on road trips? Have you gone with her on road trips? Yeah. And what? Um, how does that music work? Does she pick? Do you guys? You know, the last time we went on a road trip, we listened to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio drama oh, the man. whole way that through. That is – the two of you. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. You know, Quintessential. Yeah. No, absolutely. Road trip. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, and, and – but, you know, she, we'll, listen to, we'll listen to Moxie Fruvis. Mm-hmm. We'll listen to, you know, stuff that I have on disc mm-hmm. because I don't really have a fancy enough car to go like Bluetoothy and stuff like that. Sure. So, you know, we just listen to whatever I happen to have burned. There is a certain song uh, that we're not going to talk about. Listeners will have to listen to the ep- the end of episode six to learn more about that. Um, that feels like those little those little editor notes in comic books. Yeah, you know, they say go to go to Fantastic Four number two hundred and seven to learn about this asterisk. Um, it's it's a song with a sloth in it. Oh right right right. right. So we're right, not going to talk about right, it. We're right, not going to talk right, about it. Right. Um, but um, other than that song. Um, is there a song that you avoid even though the feelings associated are not negative, like positive songs that you love but you just you, you can't – you don't listen to because it's it, – There is a song that um, that we played at my Las Vegas elopement. Mm-hmm. It was an REM song. I, I couldn't even tell you the name of it. You just know how it sounds? Um, I can sort of hear how it sounds but I, I couldn't listen to that song. If that song came on, I'd have to turn it. Because okay. it it would it, uh, it would completely overwhelm me. Okay, so yeah. that would be a song. No shield against. No shield against it. Yeah. No. Uh, um, 
that one. And then in terms of just songs that I can't stand in general, uh, the Rolling Stones. I have some weird, like, um, strange negative vibes with the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, I got a couple stories I could tell, but I think we're running a little we, long, we so are, I'm not gonna. Yeah, we are, and I've st- we still got to hear your song, your third song. So, uh, without uh, going too far in on the front end of this, you ended up bar backing at Liquid Cafe, mm-hmm. which was for a while like an institution here in it Fort Myers. It was an institution downtown. in downtown on the corner of First and Hendry, where the little British place is that has the plaid, you know, tile floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I started there as a patron when they opened in '96, and then in '99 I, I got hired on as a bar back, which is somebody who takes out the trash at the end of the night, stocks beer. Stocks ice, washes cups, mm-hmm. washes dishes. So here I am taking trash cans full of broken beer bottles out at 2.15 in the morning while all of my friends are partying, looking at me thinking, wow, Mike's lost his freaking mind. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because you, you went from – you, so you went. You were working a fairly lucrative. I had a, easy I had a, I had a, job. I had a really good job at a bookstore, and then I was a sales rep for a publishing company, yeah. and then I got a job at a golf shop where I was making you know more than enough money to live on to play golf sometimes to, to, in to, the to, daytime, to fix and sell golf clubs <laughs> and hang out with golf golfers, and yeah. and then play golf for free. As and then much you as went I on want. this three month road trip and came three back. three month road trip, come back, and I'm Far dragging back. trash cans yeah. down the street. Okay, and so everybody thought I was crazy. All right, so I want to I want to know what the song is. Let's listen, and then let's join rejoin this this scene um you know i knew i had to tell uh the liquid cafe story um i tried to think of a song that would connect me to that story but there was no single song Mm -hmm. um so i started broadening my search in my brain and i remembered that um um, you know we had a lot of live music there and uh, we had this canadian band show up busking on our doorstep not trying to get our attention just trying to get attention And they were so good, we brought them inside, and we mic'd them up, and we had a concert. I mean, that's how we used to roll. And they were called Fiddlesticks. They were on a tour of uh, South Florida. They were playing retirement communities Mm -hmm. because they had a bunch of like 30s and 40s swing stuff in their repertoire. Mm -hmm. Two fiddles, uh, a beautiful svelte French chick playing a snare Mm -hmm. and singing harmonies. Uh, the main, the lead singer played a stand-up bass. His brother played a ukulele with like crazy jazz chords, mm-hmm. and he would play the bass as percussion while his brother was playing it. And so they came in and blew our minds. And this is a recording of that happening. So this is not only a song, but this is putting the listener in the liquid. This is a live recording from liquid from two thousand. Probably fall of 2001, spring of 2002. Okay. Is, is there a name on this? Um, well, uh, it, it's it's actually, I'm kind of breaking the rules here. There's a prelude, there's a bit of a prelude uh, instrumental. Yeah, we're going to talk go, about it. And then it goes into um, uh, Who Walks In When I Walk Out, which is a Louis Armstrong song. And so, by the way, there is no trumpet in this band, but you're going to hear a trumpet. Bear that in mind. So, there's a, so there's a, this is a cover of Who Walks In When I Walk Out by Louis, by Louis Armstrong played by Fiddlesticks performed by the Fiddlesticks at Liquid Cafe live recording this is Three Song Stories Biography Through Music thanks very much welcome to the Liquid we're Fiddlesticks now for something completely different
walks in when I walk out Gives you that high baby Who's that who got me worrying blue Walks in when I walk out Don't you know you're my baby Who's that who got me worrying blue I think that that Fiddlesticks may be a band that was tailor made for for you, yeah. Based on your life, it's like a man listening. Them. It's like it it if ever there was a sign that you're in the Matrix, Mike Canary. Yeah, yeah. This is a, a Canadian band, right? With harmonizing vocals, yeah. A ukulele, yeah. Playing old bygone era music. You know, I didn't even think about that. Making Monty Python references with the crowd work. Yeah, like it's. All of, all of the things that the it's band, like, the songs you listed and the bands you follow, yeah. are like are are combined into one super. You're, organism. you're right, and what's crazy is, is is much like the first song. I hadn't listened to this in in more than a decade. Or, yeah, you know, I mean, I had to go dig it out of my archives. Yeah, and tell me, tell uh, well, talk about you. You said you had to, you know, you wanted to go find the song. How much of the live recording from that night did you listen to to find this? Well, I listened to all of it. Right. But these were the first two tracks. And you kept going. Of course. <laughs> because I had to see if there was something that was more suitable. But the, yeah. just that was just yeah. – that crystallized the moment. And and it's so funny what you just said is because it's like it's – like, I mean, that's magic, right? I yeah. mean, that's magic. That moment is magic. That night is magic. That, you know, that mm-hmm. experience is mm-hmm. magic. But the great thing about Liquid is that was just like Thursday night. Mm. You know? That yeah. was – that was, that was what, happening all the time. That was, you know, that kind of magic was normal sure. in those days. And I just want to give a shout out later in uh, – I'm glad I listened to the whole thing because Cat uh, Apple, which yeah, is a yeah. name that probably a lot of people recognize, she sits in for like three songs later in this concert. Cool. And uh, Dave Cowan, who wrote our theme music, yeah. um, he comes up and he does a set and they yeah. sit in with him. So, I mean, yeah. The Nexus. The Nexus, yeah. absolutely. All right. Um, so, but I'm I'm not done talking about okay. liquid oh, yet. Please. I have to finish the liquid yeah, story. Please. Um, so, liquid cafe. People who live in Fort Myers from that time will remember it. Um, and I just, you know, of, of all the things, how do I put this? Of all the things that I miss, yeah, that's it. You know the. The people, mm-hmm. uh, the scene, um, the the goodness sure. that we put out into the world—a place where magic happens every Thursday. Yeah, like. and in a place where uh, a lawyer mm-hmm. sits next to a gutter punk mm-hmm. having coffee. 
that was it. Cool. And it and it made it until ninety six or ninety five. And when uh, downtown was redeveloped, uh, we lost a lot of business, couldn't make rent. Uh, Our landlord wouldn't work a deal out. So we had to close down. By then, I was sort of, you know, part owner, sort of. And and the shame is, is that it sat empty for almost three years. So we could have kept going. Yeah. But the landlord would rather wait for somebody who could pay the rent that he wanted yeah. then have us continue to do it. So, and that turned you know, out to be no one. That turned out to be no one. Yeah. You know, when I left on the last day, I left a Fiji water bottle sitting on a ledge by the window. Mm-hmm. And for three years, I would walk by and look at that bottle. Man, when you, when you left Liquid, um, were you, where were you in, in the arc of you in this station here? Well, um, there was a time when I worked at both places. Yeah. Um, I started here as an intern in uh, 2003 mm-hmm. and then um, I started here you know, semi-full-time in 2004. I started hosting All Things Considered late in 2004 and at that time I was still picking up ships, shifts – still picking up shifts at Liquid. So yeah, I was uh, you know I was hosting all things considered, getting off work and driving down and sitting at the bar having a cup of coffee with my people, mm-hmm. and so there was an overlap there for sure. Um, it, it being in public radio by then sort of took me away from Liquid, so I was somewhat disconnected from it at the end, mm-hmm. just in terms of how many shifts I was working, but you know certainly not the people. And just want to give a shout out to Sandy and Jackie and Kelly and Shanti and uh, Kim. And Sam, who wound up to be my daughter's mother, that's mm-hmm. where we met. So those were that's who we were. And uh, it obviously, you know, lightning in a bottle doesn't happen twice. That's why it's called that. But is there something from any of those people or anything in the area that that at least gives you like the echoes of that? Like, are there any places that you think you know? There's probably something out there that I could find that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I. You know, I spent 10 years downtown mm-hmm. and I dealt with drunk people for 10 years and mm-hmm. all that. And I'm uh, I'm just over it. So I'm a hermit these days, Richard. <laughs> so for the most part um, – You've you know, entered the Obi-Wan Kenobi portion of your uh, – For now, yeah. You know, and at some point I might reenter the world and, you know, who knows? Maybe there will be a, a, a liquid part two at some point in the future. Sure. Sandy, who was the main owner of it, she lives out west now and she actually opened up a place – it lives in New Mexico, I believe, called Liquid Outpost. So hey. some, someday I might need to move out west or travel out west. Maybe anyway. another road trip. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, well, uh, if if you could if you could push a button and make any band that you know that isn't Moxie Fruvis <laughs> a household name, Dan, to Dan Burn. Dan Burn. Yeah. Okay. You would you would love to insert him into the consciousness of. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. He's 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 brilliant. Yeah. He he um, creates hope in yeah. in your spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's. Uh, I got to talk to him once, and I I, I described him as uh, the perfect blend of irreverent and reverent. Yeah. And um, I think that if everyone had a daily dose of Dan Byrne, the world would be a better place. And he does it while being funny too, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so what ways has doing this show? Um, changed or maybe influenced your view of music just as a whole? It's given me an appreciation for a lot broader spectrum of music because like I mentioned before, there's certainly large swaths of music that I just haven't given any attention to. But as my guests from different walks of life come in and suddenly they're dropping Kanye West songs and, you know, I mean, it's it's like um, it makes me think, yeah, I should probably broaden my horizons a little bit. 
so that would be how this has changed it. Okay. Um, can you, uh, you know, I know you don't, you don't pick up new music very often, but what's the last new music that you found that you, that you love? It would be A Wall Nation. A Wall Nation. And I, and I found so them, years you know, ago. six yeah, years six ago. Years so yeah, that would be, yeah. Okay. You mentioned a, um, there's a Pandora channel I know you like to use um, because it kind of – it just feels good to have on. What's the name of that again? You know, I can't even remember because – You just don't use it anymore? No, I, because it's the one that's on when I turn on Pandora. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, and I, and, I, and I mostly – like I said, I mostly use it for crowd music because I, I'm the technical oh, right. director. It's, it's, a good, it's good generic. Yeah, it's okay. good. Just background music. But yeah, I, mean, I don't really listen to Pandora for my own personal gratif- gratification. All right. Um, well, do you have any final thoughts about being on Three Song Stories? Um, you were right. This is going to be fun. Yeah. It's turning out to be fun. You know, from the time that we started uh, walking around after Gulf Coast Live mm-hmm. on campus, conceptualizing this show um, to, you know, back then it was just like, wow, this this could be cool, you know. And now we've got, you know, X number of episodes in the can. We've released however many. There are subscribers there, I hear. There are, yeah, <laughs> there are people subscribing, which is crazy. Hi, Kai from Nigeria. Hello, subscribers. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, this is, this is the most fun I can imagine having making radio. And uh, it's just um, so cool. And it makes all the other stuff we do here at the station easier because yeah. this is so energizing to us or to me and I think to you too. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being on, Mike. Oh, it's my pleasure, and uh, uh, I will keep listening. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I want to thank my guest, Mike Canary, for being on the show, of course, for sharing his songs and his stories with us, and also for hosting and creating this show with me. It's been one of the best projects I've ever worked on, and I'm really happy we get to do this. We make three-song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers. The show is produced, directed, and co-created by Mike Canary. Tara Callaghan is our social media producer. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Our theme music was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. This week, we're going to go with my parting tune. When I first started working at WGCU, I was immediately put on production of the daily live talk show, Monday to Thursday, that was Gulf Coast Live, which was our news team's show where we covered local issues as they came. Arts, politics, business, environment, etc. On Fridays, we had a different show with a contracted host who widened out the scope to international issues. That show was called Sound Off with Sasha, and it was hosted by Sasha Ratani. Unlike Gulf Coast Live with an entire news team writing, supporting, and wrangling guests... I was basically flying by the seat of my pants when we produced Sound Off with Sasha. I got a phone number, a guest name, and a time to call them every week, and I hoped that they would be there. More often than not, the show went well, but it did teach me how to produce on the fly. I look back on that time now fondly because it was the first time when I was really independent as a producer. I was getting to make decisions about the way a show sounded and felt, and I got to spend almost every episode in the booth with Luke Martin, one of my best friends. The theme song to sound off with Sasha's show is Chuck Mangione's Feel So Good. And while a lot of people might be fans of this song, mostly horn players and King of the Hill fans, every time I hear the first two notes, I think back about my time making that show and, frankly, I enjoy this song. Here's Chuck Mangione's Feel So Good. I'm Richard Chinqui. Keep listening.
next time on Three Song Stories. Um, what's the earliest musical memory you can find if you try to dig back to your young childhood? Did my psychologist send you? This is a very big question. I'm not sure I know the answer to that one. The earliest musical memory? Uh, oh, gosh. I and if really you can't know. remember it, then you don't have that memory. Well, or, or, or do I have it and it's just locked away somewhere? <laughs> That's where we're at for with this reasons show, Joshua Johnson. that <laughs> remain unclear. See, your, my therapist did send you and tell you to ask me this.